Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Hello, Beer Geeks. It's Friday. It's 5pm. Welcome to another episode of the Friday 5pm podcast. I hope you've got a beer in your hand. I have 12 litres of New England IPA in a corny keg next to me. What have you got, Brad? Blimey. Um, I haven't got quite that much, but I have got the little crowley that you gave me of um, of our homebrew uh, last Friday. Yeah, Brad, I gave that which, to you a week ago. I know. I've, I've, I've drunk most of it, and I shared it with my girlfriend and, and my friend Tommy. And, uh, I mean, I obviously knew it was marvellous. They also thought it was marvellous. And yeah, it actually yeah. travelled really well. It stayed carbonated. I think I drank it maybe on Sunday. So a couple of days after you'd given it to me, and it was tasting banging still, mate. Good. Well, yeah, we purged the hell out of that to make sure there was no mm. oxygen left. I'm, I'm intrigued to know how much oxygen's now in it and how flat it is. I've got it on hand. I'm going to... Oh, they're quite hard to get into. It's a hydro flask. Hydro and flask. Me. Yeah, that, that was great. I picked that up at a Red Hook Brewery when I went over there in 2015, 2016. Um Red Hook IPA was 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 my um, Eureka beer. Was it gateway? Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it's quite it's quite an old school IPA now. Probably a little bit. Oh, a little bit did safe. You hear that? Yeah, I just got a bit of a. How how brown is it though, Brad? Uh, nice bit of smoke on it, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, it's pretty much flat, but it, it does taste fucking amazing still. There you go. Wow, we really purged that. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Oh, well, I'm I'm glad that uh, it's got a week week's worth of life, even in a growler, because we've got some bottles uh, that I just got a text this morning saying that the bottles had arrived safely at Verdon. So oh, wow. they're going to be tasting it uh, in a couple of days, ready for our video next week. That is exciting, mate. I'm, I'm excited, but I'm also incredibly nervous, because there are some little flaws in there. Um which I think most drinkers would be like, hey, this is an amazing IPA. But somebody like James, who is the head brewer of Verdant, is probably going to be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's some <laughs> astringency, a little bit of boozy heat in there that shouldn't be there. The, the boozy heat is definitely in there. Hmm. Um, I, I just got a little bit of that when I had a swig. But it's going to get worse mate, as the carbonation goes as well. This is a homebrew. It's unreal how good it is. I know it, maybe it looks a bit hammy in the video, but my genuine reaction to this beer is like astonishment. Yeah, um, it is It is mind-blowing. But let's not give too much more away because obviously that episode hasn't gone live, 
But I think mm. you I think you can tell from the first video that it was going to be a success because we put the fact that it was a success in the first 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Did a little tease. So um yeah, it has come out really, really well. But we'll we'll be breaking down the flavors and obviously talking more about the yeast because it is a sponsored video. Just to be super clear, like we were given the opportunity to try that and we were paid to try it. Um, but, I mean, we don't need to say how good that yeast is because it makes some of the best IPA in the world at Verdant and now at Unity, um, uh, Elusive Brewing, lots of other breweries using it. It's a magic, magic yeast. Um, secret sauce secret sauce that's exactly what it is Mm. um so yeah as you may have guessed on wednesday we released a homebrew video all about uh verdant's new collaboration yeast with lalamund uh lanamund brewing which is a global yeast supplier um we have been well it's our second homebrew video of the year and it's done really really well again like you guys love homebrew content and we we take a slightly different slant. We try and put a narrative on it. We try and make it interesting both to people who are never going to brew it and indeed useful to people who are definitely going to brew it. Um, and hopefully you'll agree we we got that right in this episode. I think so, mate. I think, you know, the, there's a bit of jeopardy in there. Um, I mean, we've, we, 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 we obviously have a little bit of a history with New England IPAs being uh, some, some of the first in the UK to be brewing it. Yeah. But um, this is obviously such a hype style um and it's kind of hard to homebrew that you know we, we we you know we kind of wanted to explore how the trials and tribulations of brewing at home would work and how the lalaman yeast could could help that yeah absolutely like it's really tough to make and there's two styles that are really hard to make at, at home one is pale lager whether it's whether it's pilsner or or hellas or vienna uh, and the other style is new england ipa and the reason for that is they are both super susceptible to oxidation and they both also require very careful temperature control um of of both the fermentation but all beer needs that but actually the cold crashing so a long time at very cold temperatures which is impossible to achieve unless you've got a homebrew fridge or an incredibly cold cellar so they're very hard to make and we wanted to make this as easy as possible um and one of the ways of doing that is using this yeast which is incredibly flexible loaded with flavor so that you don't have to use so many hops or get such good hop extraction um and using some techniques that reduce the oxidation um clearly everybody in the comments knows all this because we've had so many comments asking for tips um and and discussing things that we discussed it's turned into a bit of a homebrew forum this comment section which we are all for on these kinds of videos um we'll we'll dive into them uh in a second um but yeah, so this week's video, we didn't actually, all we did was we uh, talked about the origins of the yeast with Verdant's head brewer, James, um, and then we chose our hops and then we did the brew day. So all the cellar side of it, all the really tricky stuff is coming in episode two. Um, and you'll see that I wrestled wrestled with that quite a bit uh, <laughs> and learned a hell of a lot about CO2 regulators. I got through, mm. basically my CO2 regulator was a little bit leaky. Um, oh so leaky in fact that it was flying around the kitchen at one point um, and I, I thought the world was basically ending uh, <laughs> those, those things are cold as well aren't they when they go off so you can't really touch them yeah that, that was exactly it like the leak was really really bad and it was pouring out and initially I was trying to wrestle it to tighten it and then it got so cold I had to drop it and then like just the sort of the, the two or three meter long pipe coming off it was whipping around <laughs> like an angry snake and I wow. like Heather, my girlfriend, was in the kitchen and I was like, get out the kitchen, it's gonna blow! 
Um, it's kind of making me think of sort of classic 90s disaster movies like Twister and things <laughs> where, where there's some sort of out of control force. It, it, is, re- uh, it reminded me of like, you know, those, it happens in all these kind of action movies where there's like, there, maybe there's some water on the floor and then there's a, a mm. loose electric cable that's oh, jumping God. around and everyone's yeah. like, ah! it was, yeah, it was a bit like terrifying. that. terrifying. Yeah. Oh dear. Um, Except it was freezing cold, freezing Terminator cold CO2. killing <laughs> CO2. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if CO2 yes. can take out the Terminator, you know, I was in real <laughs> danger. Oh, yeah. Was, was it CO2 or was it liquid nitrogen? No, I, 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 I think it was liquid nitrogen. Yeah. But it was cold. It was all, all, all I was saying is it's fucking cold, yeah. basically. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the whole CO2 regulator was like frosted and frozen by the end of it, just leaking everywhere. It was It was proper cold. Um, and I, I didn't have the wherewithal to shove it then in the fridge and help chill down my poor hacked homebrew fridge that in 36 degree heat in London was trying to crash this beer down to two degrees. <laughs> um, yes. It was it was buzzing pretty loud at my desk for, for about three <laughs> days before it got there. God. Uh, but that that's in the second episode as well. Um, anyway, so let's dive into the comments, shall we? Uh, do you want to go first, brothers? Yeah, I'm going to get right to it, Johnny. Um, Pack Attack commented, recipe, recipe, recipe. The people want to know, Johnny, are we going to give them a recipe? (laughs) We are 100% going to give you the recipe. Um, We're going to, so having tasted it, and once we've got Verdant's feedback, we're going to do some little tweaks to it to make sure it's perfect. And then we're going to publish it on our website, which is craftbeerchannel.com, with a blog that also explains all of the processes that we went through to make sure that we avoided oxidation, got maximum hot flavour utilisation, and all, all the temperatures that we use. Because that is you know, really vital um, to getting this style right. Like, you know, people always talk about is brewing an art or a science? And the truth is it's both. Half of it is art because it's like cooking, it's picking that recipe, and the other half is science and it's attention to detail and it's numbers. Um, So we've done all the hard work for you, but you've just got to follow it as closely as possible. So we're going to give you every bit of information that we possibly can. And, yeah, that'll be be live uh, on Wednesday when the episode two goes. So we're definitely giving you the recipe. Um, I enjoyed the response to that comment, which was like, if you zoom in when he's using Brewer's (laughs) Friend, you can see it. (laughs) And I was like, that is committed. And I'm glad we shoot in in true HD. Yes. Um, And this is is a thing we're going to be doing, hopefully with most of our homebrew content, um, where we're going to be quite open access, aren't we, with, with what we're doing. So we're going to be giving recipes that you can kind of follow along with and, and use our our videos as guides. Um, and that goes in terms of like the equipment we're using, everything as well. We're, we're going to kind of be quite specific about it all. Yeah, absolutely. I think what what's joyous about the homebrew community is how open people are with their information and a lot of you know professional brewers as well. Um, it's not the first time Verdant have given away a recipe. BrewDog give away every single recipe they make. They just have a, an online PDF and they just update it each time with the with the recipe. Um, their recipes they are a little bit vague. Uh, mm. To be fair, um, they don't give you often exact timings, or if they're using fruit, they don't give you the exact fruits or where they got them from, stuff like that. We'll be giving all of that information because you know just saying add orange peel is not that helpful. You want to know. You know, which oranges, from where, how much, should you take the, the white pith off of that peel, or do you want that yeah. bitterness, all this kind of stuff that we'll be giving, mostly from what we've learned through our own mistakes. 
Brilliant. Um, yeah, so um, we will post that recipe next Wednesday. There was also somebody saying that we should put a kit together with uh, with Malt Miller, um, which we are definitely going to ask to do. Um, that would be a lot of fun to, to get you guys to be able to just just go to the Malt Miller, or maybe you need to find an international partner as well, as well as Malt Miller, a partner in every location, um, so that you guys can just buy the kit and taste what we're tasting. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Great stuff. Legendary worldwide. We'll be able to to blow, brew our clone beers and our, our experiments wherever you may be. That would be good, wouldn't it? Um, mm. So, yeah, so we got loads of more uh, kind of technical homebrew questions uh, in the comments. Many of them are actually things that we're going to address in episode two. So I won't go too much into those ones. Things like, you know, somebody just asked, how did you avoid oxidation? And I'm like... That is literally what episode two is. So I'm just going to say, wait, 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 wait seven days. Um, but yeah, we got lots of questions around the hops that we were adding to the hot side. So somebody said that they've been on some homebrew forums where lots of people were only doing 30 minute boils because you're adding so little hops, um, so few hops during the actual boil. Why would you boil for an hour? So the point of the boil originally, there's lots of chemical processes that happen there. But it's also sanitizing that beer, so there's definitely no microbes when you add your yeast. Um, and it's boiling off some some less tasty compounds like the MS, uh, which mm. tastes kind of like popcorn, which is pretty distracting. Um, or creamed corn. Uh, so we we did a full hour boil, and that was actually because we, we just wanted to make sure we got plenty of bitterness in there with those that massive three gram hop edition of Magnum. Um <laughs> But, I mean, I've read lots of studies. Uh, there's lots of great blogs. I'm struggling to remember the name of the study that was done by a home brewer. Uh, but I will dig it out and put it in the show notes. But they did an experiment where this guy um, has an amazing blog where he will test a theory. So somebody will have said to him, you know, do you really need to boil for an hour? And he's done a blind taste test having brewed where he's only boiled for half an hour, where he's brewed. Uh, boiled for an hour and maybe he did a 90 minute boil as well and he then does the blind taste test and, and gives you his findings so i'll link to that but basically you don't actually need to boil for an hour if there's no reason for you to do so if you don't have a complicated hop addition regime as far as i know there's no reason to boil for more than half an hour you shouldn't boil for less than that i don't think but um you can get away with a half hour boil which you know when you're brewing at home and it's costing you a lot of electricity uh, might yeah. be might yeah. be a good thing to know. Yeah, it's interesting. I guess we could, you know, we it'd be kind of cool to explore that ourselves. Maybe we do that in a video where we we just um, we do a kind of vertical thing tasting where we where we've got the same brew but done with slightly different parameters. 
whether that be the boil or when the additions are going in and all that kind of stuff. Because it's, it's all chemistry, isn't it, Johnny, really, at the end of the day, which is all kind of amazing, weird stuff. Things are getting broken down and new things are being formed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it, it's very exciting, Johnny. It's, it's a wildly complicated chemical process that just hundreds of years of technology and experimentation has actually boiled it down, excuse the pun, to quite a simple process on the face of it. But what it means is tiny changes that you might make thinking this is fine or this is fine or this will be excellent um, actually have a huge impact. So, you know, you going, I've learned the hard way, you know, if you miss your, your mass strike temperature, you, you know, you're two, three degrees over, the amount of fermentable sugar you're going to get out of that mash could be significantly reduced and stuff like that. So it is it is a matter of, of hitting numbers. Um, we got another comment from uh, Craig Nielsen. So he said, there's a 300 plus page thread on homebrew talk for brewing New England IPAs. And the consensus there is biotransformation is a bit of a hoax slash highly efficient. And dry hopping post-fermentation reduces hot burn and grassiness. So this is alluding to the fact that most New England IPAs are what is called double dry hopped. So that means adding a dose of hops during active fermentation, which is pretty unusual. So just a couple of days after you've pitched your yeast, you pitch in some more hops, and then adding the rest of it right at the end of fermentation, usually at a colder temperature. So he's saying that that early addition, there's lots of people saying that it's it's kind of a hoax. And the idea of it is that during fermentation, the yeast is chomping away at all kinds of sugars, and it actually biotransforms the hop flavors by chomping chomping down those compounds and changes the flavors you get and might increase kind of stone fruit kind of flavors. Um, Craig is completely right, and the 300-page thread is completely right in that it's highly inefficient. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a hoax. Like There's lots of academic papers that explain that it definitely does happen, but how much of an impact it has on sensory the sensory of the beer, so the literal flavours of it, is kind of the jury still out. And we get into that a little bit in episode two as well. Um, but just just so that people know, if people are planning anything, we do, add, we do DDH. We do add uh, a small addition during active fermentation to try and tease out a little bit more flavour, which is mostly down to the fact that we won't get the hop extraction that James does. James does not do biotransformation. Um, he thinks he's probably getting it just from his whirlpool hops. So he doesn't add any extra hops in. But we do, because we're not going to get the same extraction as him. So, yeah, if you want to read that 300-page thread on Homebrew Talk, please go ahead or watch episode two of the Craft Beer Channel's Odyssey <laughs> and New England IPA, and I'll summarise it. Again, in about a minute. But yeah, that, that's our plan and we're sticking to it. Maybe at some point we'll do an experiment where we brew a New England IPA, um, one with biotransformation hops and one without, and see if we can tell the difference. Love it. That Let's would, do it. That would be a cool video. Another cool video, I just remembered, talking about BrewDog earlier and their recipes that they give away. So they give you the recipe for the original Punk IPA, which was brewed in 2007, which has uh, Motueka in it. Hmm. And then, and with 6%, so a little bit stronger, and then they give you the recipe for the 2010 version, which has Nelson Sovan in instead, and is 5.6. And I think it'd be super cool to brew both of those side by side and literally taste how punk used to taste and how it does taste now, which is not something everybody's, you know, many people have managed to do. I'd love that. So that'd, that'd be another be cool video. Because I still really think, cool. I, I don't know what you think, Brad, punk IPA on draft when fresh is still a delicious beer. I think... Uh, Brewdog's Brewdog's watering down of their recipes is is probably a falsehood. 
Yeah, I mean, oh, totally. When you're drinking it and it, you're getting it and it's been treated well, for draft, uh, it's amazing. It's great. I always enjoy it, man. Hmm. Um, you know, like that was uh, definitely one of the beers I was dr- drinking quite early on that certainly UK side beers, I was like, fucking hell, there's something happening here. Um, and, and, and I think it still holds up amazingly well. Yeah, I think so, yeah. when you compare it with beers that it's like, so other West Coast IPAs, it still stands up pretty well. It is a little bit less hoppy, but I think it's got a lovely balance between the malt and some big piney, citrusy uh, hop aromas. I don't really get the Nelson Sovan, but we've never really analysed it, have we? we have, we've just had a pint of it, whereas yeah. if we put it in a snifter glass, we probably would. Um so yeah, I, I I think it's a great beer, and I think the reason people have started disliking it is a because it's you know it's often not very well looked after. It's sat on a on a shelf in a supermarket in a bottle or whatever, and b because I think people compare it to New England IPAs. They think, oh, it's an IPA. I'm going to get this juicy, sweet, uh, overripe mango vibe. And when they get <laughs> orange peel, pine, resin, caramel, they're like, huh? That's not that's not what I want for my IPA. So. I don't know why the guy talks like an idiot. Maybe that's just my voice, but it sounded like an idiot. Um, so yeah, I, th- I, th- I think really what's changed is our palates, not not punk IPA that much. Yeah, definitely. It's it's our palates and it's our kind of uh, hopes of what we think an IPA should be, which is which is drastically different these days uh, to five years ago. Let's say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but there's, I mean, yeah, it's still great. I still love, like, we've, we've talked about this quite often that, you know, we New England IPAs, when they first came out, we were like, wow, these are so refreshing and uh, so sessionable. But they, they do get a little a bit too sweet, a little bit cloring. Um, if you go back from drink, drink one of those to a West Coast guy, that is refreshing. And Absolutely. that just cuts through everything. It, it resets everything. Um, it kind of kills your your palate as well, obviously, but <laughs> kills it um, in a different way. Yeah, <laughs> kills it in a different way. Yeah, um, and I, I still got I still got love for the West Coast, West Side. Yeah, I mean it, that that's what craft beer is all about. It's all about variety. So having two very different styles of IPA is great, and they all mm. they all deserve equal love. And there there are much better West Coast IPAs out there than Punk, but it is a good West Coaster, um, and it's the best point you'll get in a British airport. Defo, Defo, without a doubt. Every every trip we've ever done abroad has probably started with a punk IPA um, in a Weatherspoon, isn't it? Oh, that's a bad thing to admit, but yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I've got, I've got a boycott of Weatherspoons generally, but my yeah. my rule is except in airports. It's, I mean, it, there's no other options. Um, well, the other option is not to drink, but that not that's not drink. really that is, an option. That's not an option to any of Yeah, it's true. Um, City Airport, I think City Airport didn't have a Weatherspoons. We were drinking in a non-Weatherspoons pub. I can't remember what it was called. It, ah, yeah, but I still think we had Punk IPA. I, I think we did too. <laughs> Maybe they've, they've done some big deal with uh, all of the airports. Got or an something. airport exclusivity vibe. That's where all their volume's Who coming knows? from, all their growth. Just from people yeah, exactly. on their way yeah. to, I don't know, Prague, having a Punk IPA for, before their stag do starts. Not no, anymore, no. dickheads. Not not anymore. <laughs> I, this is making me think of my um, Brewdog Airlines flight when we, we, we all drank a bit too much uh, punk and the toilets had to be closed on the flight about three <laughs> hours before touchdown and they nearly had to divert the flight to New York because it was quite a serious situation. Um, everyone was, was pissed up on the, on the flight 
and very merry and everyone needed a wee for a prolonged period of time. So it got a bit dicey towards the end. But it's, mate, it's that, the was, most that was a wild ride. Mundane, silly and privileged <laughs> disaster movie on a plane. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. real twist on snakes on a plane. It was great. Well, it, well, uh, there were certainly some some uh, snakes that need, needed to be uh, watered on, on the plane. <laughs> snakes that needed to be watered. Oh, oh that's dear. the tagline. These snakes need to be watered. Oh dear. Oh dear. I'm, I'm not sure even Samuel L. Jackson would sign up to that uh, that movie, Ted. No. Um, right. Well, we've <laughs> on that note. Uh, is that the name of the podcast? I'm not sure Samuel L. Jackson would sign up to that movie, Ted. I don't know. It might be a bit long. <laughs> we'll find one. Um, yeah, so that is 22 minutes. We've gone over. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast. I hope you enjoyed our video from this week. Uh, we've got episode two coming next Wednesday. And then the week after that, hopefully, we've got a tour of Thornbridge, which is dead exciting. But that's all dependent on a rather large life event that's happening to me next week. Um, oh, Johnny! Which Very we'll, exciting. We'll, we'll get into uh, get into in next week's podcast. So uh, bear with us until Wednesday when there'll be a the recipe and the video uh, to New England IPA and B all the answers to all of the queries that you guys put in the first video comment section. Hopefully, it's actually really good because I've been using those questions and I've been checking everything's in that second video so I've actually added some little bits off the back of what you guys have been saying so please 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 do comment if you have a question even if you think it's silly stick it in there because it might influence the next few videos that we do particularly with the homebrew stuff um, nice yeah and that that's everything anything to add Brad? Um, only that everybody we love you please stay safe out there in in the, the real world and uh, next week's a very exciting week for your man Johnny <laughs> So I'm looking forward to, to celebrating with, with him and his uh, his his partner. So uh, well, let's thanks, let's, let's all get excited about that, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> the Bubble Podcast is brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer Channel. Head to youtube.com slash the Craft Beer Channel to watch this week's video and over 400 more exciting episodes. If you love what we do, please, please, please do subscribe and even join our Patreon at patreon.com slash craft beer channel. Love and beer. <laughs>